Last week, Annie and I had the wonderful opportunity to take a vacation to Spain. We love Spain. It's a wonderful place to go, a laid-back culture and incredible history to see. And We had a wonderful time, but one day on this trip, we decided that we wanted to go to Gibraltar because really, unless you're in Spain, when are you ever going to go to Gibraltar? But it was neat. We'd already heard of the Rock of Gibraltar and the ability to to see across the Strait of Gibraltar and see Africa, a whole other continent, just from right there in Europe. And so we decided to take a day and drive down to Gibraltar, and we and we did. And I was shocked, because even on the map, I had no real concept of how entirely small Gibraltar is. It really is not much more than this giant rock and a little bit of strip of land around it and an airstrip. That's pretty much it. As a matter of fact, the airstrip, you have to stop the cars going across so the plane can take off. It's that small. But we went and we had a good time. We wandered around Gibraltar. We, we took the, the big uh, funicular up the side of the, of the rock to the top of the rock where you can see across the Mediterranean and see the Strait of Gibraltar in Africa over there. We had a great time. One of the most well-known uh, denizens, red, uh, residents of Gibraltar, though, are these things, these, these little guys called Barbary apes. Now, Barbary apes are monkeys, technically, not apes, which I did not remember from my sixth grade science class. It has something to do with a tail, I think. But they're about, you know, yay big, and they're really cute, uh, kind of reddish monkeys. Um, and they, you know, they, they live all over the rock of Gibraltar. The rock itself is not really that impressive. I mean, the, ro- the, the rock is, but the stuff that's on it pretty much went out of use about World War II. So there's a whole bunch of ruins and things, of battlements and things, and all these, these monkeys pretty much live all over the place. Um, and so when we walked up and we got to see some of them, they were, seemed very friendly. They'd walk up, they'd put their hand on you or something, and they'd kind of hang out, and, uh, and, and, and people would pose for pictures with them and all kinds of things and near them. And they're everywhere you go. You always see them crawling around. And they have little pictures up on the walls with their names and kind of a, a, history, of all of the, a history of all the different apes and stuff like that. And, and so you can look out for particular ones. You can see by some of their... Uh, physical characteristics. So it seems really friendly and nice and everything. And so we, we did the whole trip and we went through the, the uh, gift store and all that stuff. And as you, as you leave, you kind of, you go through the gift store and you have this long pathway down the side and then it takes you to this stairway you can go down to get onto the, uh, onto the funicular to go back down to the, to the, to sea level. And as we did, we came out of the stairway and again, like I said, this place is in kind of disrepair because they haven't really updated anything probably since World War II. And so the stairway was dark, the lights were out, and sitting on the top of the, of the uh, railing that goes down the middle of the stairway was one of the Barbary apes. We were just hanging out. We're like, oh, hey, Mr. Ape, how's it going? I couldn't remember his name because he was one of his pictures. But Annie was like, I don't know that we should go there. So we thought, I was like, well, but if we want to go down the other way, we have to walk like forever around the whole place and go down. It's like, if we just walk by this ape, all will be well, it'll be fine. It's like they've been nice so far. Everything's going to be good. And so Annie hesitantly said, all right. And we, we went down and we got to the first landing. And that little ape was probably about as far away as, as uh, Bill is now from us sitting on, the, sitting on the railing. And then we looked down and on the next railing, the bottom of the next landing, there was another one sitting there. At which point Annie's like, I don't know. I think we need to go back. It's like this is a dark, dark thing. These, these apes kind of look like they're here to ambush us. And I was like, no, I, I think it's okay. I think it's okay. I don't think they're known for robbing the, the people who come by, mugging them. Uh, and so 
As I started to take the first two steps down, the one ape on the bottom landing jumped off the railing, ran up the stairs, and then flew at Annie with arms open and teeth bared and landed on her face with his hand in her mouth. And she let out a shriek and threw the ape off of her. Sadly, as her husband, I have to admit that I was just stunned and did absolutely nothing to help. I I feel very ashamed about that, frankly. (laughs) I was so stunned by this ape that I did absolutely nothing to help, except to try to comfort afterwards, which I'm not sure was wonderful. But but the ape had literally jumped on her face. Again, ape in the face. And, 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 And from that point on, we ran down the stairs and got out as fast as we could. I found out later that if you really read the bios of the monkeys, you find out that a lot of the distinguishing characteristics they got was because they were fighting with each other. So you'll have the one with the torn nostril and the one with this. So they're not, if you ever go to Gibraltar, don't pose for pictures with the apes. They're not there to be your friend. They just live there. And so y'all just kind of exist and take pictures from afar. Trust me. Um, anyway, the 23rd Psalm, which is today's Psalm, came to mind while I was there, as it often does when you're in time of panic, and I was thinking particularly about that third verse, which says that you will lead me down right, right pathways for your name's sake. And I was realizing just how badly I did not lead us down a right pathway, in fact. I led us down a very poor pathway, a dark stairwell filled with murderous apes. <laughs> Fortunately for us, the good shepherd of our souls is Jesus Christ. And he will lead us down right pathways. He will shepherd us through the dangers of our soul in this life and in the next. Jesus is the good shepherd. That's one of our most iconic images of Jesus. This good shepherd who tends his flock. Our spirits, if they are in his hands, are in the best hands possible. Because this good shepherd loves us so much that he would lay down his life for us to protect us from sin, to save us from sin. And when we think about saving someone from sin, it's not as easy as getting between one's wife and a Barbary ape, which I failed to do. It's because sin is not outside of us. I can't put somebody, we can't put Jesus between me and sin sitting over there on a chair. Sin is within us. Sin is part of us. For Jesus to lay down His life and get between us and sin, He has to do so within us. Jesus' life that He sacrificed for us was such a strong statement, such a strong expression of love that it saved us, in a sense, from, from ourselves. It saved us from our darker nature. And Christ can get within within us Christ can get between us and sin. He can provide us the strength, the peace, the steadfastness, the patience to avoid temptation, to not sin. But in order to do that, we have to come to know Jesus. We have to come to let Him into our hearts to save us from that sin. That Good Shepherd vision we have of Jesus is such a profound statement of who Jesus is, that we base our children's curriculum on that model. For 10 years, from the ages 3 to 12, we teach our children about the Good Shepherd. And we use that model, that representation of Jesus intentionally to help Jesus under, to help the children understand 
their relationship to Christ. We spent 10 years helping them to come to know that Good Shepherd, to come to love Him, to see Him, not just in the words of Scripture, but in day-to-day life throughout worship. I guarantee you these kids who are in the catechesis of the Good Shepherd program here have a better understanding of what goes on theologically in this service than most of us do. Because we intentionally teach them about building a relationship with that Good Shepherd. But that learning doesn't just stop when we turn 12 years old. When we go on a youth group, when we become adults, we continually need to familiarize ourselves to get to know Christ. If we want Him to be able to step between us and sin, we have to know to ask Him. We have to believe that when we ask Him, that He will give us the strength or the peace or the patience or the salvation that we need. We must always be seeking to spend time and with that Good Shepherd. Because in Him we have a promise like no other. We have a Savior who will get between us and our darkest nature. Who knows our deepest, darkest secrets and loves us so much that He would still die for us to save us from that nature. He loves us so much that He would die to bring us back to Him. That's the shepherd we need to get to know. That's the shepherd we should all want in our lives. The shepherd who can make help us to make the good decisions. Because sin is big and large and scary and at times overwhelming. And at times also insidious, subtle, difficult to even realize that we're battling. We need someone as strong as this good shepherd to help us in this life. To save us in this life. And thanks be to God, we have Him. Now I cannot promise you That Jesus is going to save you from a flying ape in the face. But he will do something far more profound. Because he will take a much bigger, stronger, intimidating, infinitely more dangerous monkey in sin off of our backs. Amen.